Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 172. Does audience size really matter? And should you really monetize? Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting to help you launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I've been going through this series of challenging the podcasting assumptions, and I've got two big assumptions for you in this episode that you hear a lot of people saying different things about these things. One is, does it really matter how big your audience size is for your podcast? And we'll talk a little bit about what can you do with a big audience? And also, should you really be trying to monetize your podcast? What kind of problems might you run into if you are? What uh, We'll review some of the different monetization methods and maybe see are some of these not a good fit for you and come to a conclusion as we challenge some of these podcasting assumptions. Now, you can get to this whole series that I'm doing, this mini-series, for as long as it lasts by going to theaudacitypodcast.com slash assumptions or I will have the full episode links in the show notes for each episode in this mini-series, and you can get the show notes for this episode at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 172. And the show notes for this episode, ooh boy, that's uh, practically a, an article or a mini-book as uh, as far as how long the show notes are for this episode. So you'll find a lot of value there and a lot of links that I mention in this. So let's get into this. Does your audience size really matter that much? This is a big topic to many podcasters because one of the top questions that podcasters have is, how can I grow my audience? How can I get more people coming to my podcast, listening or watching or interacting? How can I get my audience to be bigger? That's what so many people want to know for their podcast, and they have different reasons for that. And yet you may realize that I've never specifically covered growing your audience in an episode of the Audacity to Podcast. Hmm. Don't worry, something's coming for that that you'll like. But even Leo Laporte, whom we all look at as having maybe the biggest audience, he's certainly been considered and has been called the podfather or the father of podcasting, or even though he didn't invent it, he got so much of the attention and was named person of the year and different things like that. Well, Leo Laporte even wants a bigger audience, and he has hundreds of thousands of downloads per episode. Audience size is kind of like money to many podcasters. How much money does a rich person want? Well, just a little bit more. And isn't that the case with all of us? We want just a little bit more money or just a little bit more of an audience for our podcast. Now, this specific question and this assumption of how much your audience size actually matters was brought up by Ben Avery from the Welcome to Level 7 podcast. It's an unofficial podcast for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Check it out. Thank him for bringing up this great topic. And I have a link to his show in the show notes for this episode number 172. So let's first consider what can you do with a bigger audience? And these are some of the reasons why you may want to try and grow your audience, or maybe you're already thinking of these things as, this is why I really want a bigger audience, no matter what bigger means to you and what size your audience currently is. So here are five basic reasons that you may want a bigger audience. Number one, 
to receive more engagement from your audience. With a larger audience, you're going to get more feedback. And the feedback you receive will be more diverse too, because instead of just a small collection of people representing maybe three or five or just a few basic ideas and perspectives, you could get a hundred different perspectives from a thousand different people. And it gives you a much greater opportunity to engage with people and receive so much feedback that you can use in many different ways with your content and with your podcast in ways that you interact and build a community around your podcast. You'll also start to see some of the same people regularly engaging with your content. So this gives you opportunities to learn more about these people that you see often because you may get a hundred emails per week on a certain podcast topic, but you may then be recognizing that, hey, these 20 people email me consistently almost every week. The other 80 people change. It's something different. But these 20 people seem to be a core group of people. And you can start to see that and filter that out and and not like only favoring those people, but start to see this is your core group, the core tribe of your entire audience. And if your audience gets big enough and you receive a lot of feedback, that's when it may be time to start a forum for your podcast where your audience can interact with each other. And I talked about this previously in episode 123, and I have a link to that in the show notes for this episode, number 172, if you want to check out when is the right time for you to start a podcast forum. And so that's number one, receive more engagement. Number two reason or thing that you can do with a bigger podcast audience is gain more customers. If you are podcasting as part of a business of any kind of level or in any way your podcast is business oriented or helps your business, then more listeners very logically mean more people who will begin to trust you. They'll trust your expertise and they'll respect the products and services that you offer that turns into more business, more customers for you. Whether you're doing audio or video podcasting, the more people who consume it means simply because it's a matter of math that even if you convert a small percentage of the audience, like 1%, that 1% represents a bigger number of people with a bigger audience than with a smaller number of people listening. There are ways to change that percentage without increasing your audience, but increasing the size of your audience does mean automatically that same percentage represents a greater number of customers. So that's number two, gain more customers. Number three, you can leverage a bigger audience for bigger actions because more people consuming your podcast faithfully means you have more ambassadors for your podcast and that can help it grow so much more. If each person in your podcast tells only two other people about your podcast and you only have about 10 listeners or so, then that means you might get back at most 20 additional listeners. And if you're at 10 and you think 20 more listeners, that sounds like a small number. But realize that percentage is huge. You are increasing your podcast audience, tripling it by using your listeners as ambassadors. But when you have an audience of a thousand people, each telling only two people about your podcast, 
you could gain 2,000 more listeners or viewers to your podcast. So that then starts to sound a lot more exciting to get 2,000 listeners, but the math is still the same. It's still the same percentage increase, but you're getting a lot more listeners because you have a larger audience that you can already leverage. But you can also leverage a bigger audience that you can't leverage with a smaller audience for certain other campaigns, we could call them. Stuff like maybe you want to support a cause out there, raise money for a charity, raise awareness for something. Maybe you want to get the attention of a celebrity and get them on your podcast where you could have a thousand people tweeting them saying, I really think you should be on this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Now, just be respectful in that. Don't spam anyone with that. But you can leverage a bigger audience to help you get stuff like that. Done. You could get noticed as well for other companies, like maybe you're trying to gain press access to an event or to a website or resources, and they just keep saying, no, a podcast, meh, that, that's not worth it. I've gotten that response before, and then I was able to show, look at these numbers. I'm getting this many downloads. I'm this ranking in iTunes and on Google and all of this stuff and all of these other opportunities we've had. Please reconsider. And when they saw that, because I had that leverage of a larger audience, then they agreed to give press access to certain things. So the bigger the audience you have, the more voices there are for you that can help you in each of these cases, whatever it is that you want to try and do to leverage your audience to take some kind of action or to help you with something bigger. This is how I won the podcast award in 2012 is not because of the audience size of the Audacity to Podcast alone, and I certainly appreciate your votes for all of our podcasts and getting us in the awards and nominations. And, and we'll continue doing that in the future with our separate podcasts that we host. And we hope that you'll continue supporting the network. But the Audacity to Podcast won the award because of the overall Noodle Mix Network community supporting what we do. So it wasn't just the audience for one single podcast, but it was the audience of several podcasts all wanting to support what we do. So we had a lot more leverage because we have a bigger audience to more than just one podcast. So that's number three, leverage for bigger actions. Number four, you can be more informed and accountable even for presenting thorough and accurate information. Because when you're working with only three people, you have very little experience, very little uh, very few perspectives represented in that small group. Now, that doesn't mean they're not valuable. They can still be priceless perspectives and don't negate them just because they're only coming from three or four other people. But if you have a thousand other people giving you information, engaging with your content, you can get facts and accurate information a lot more quickly and they can hold you more accountable too to certain information. For example, this is one of the reasons I love live podcasting where I'm live streaming my recording session of the podcast, because if I say something incorrectly, then the chat room can often very quickly correct us and say, no, it wasn't actually that. It was this other company. Or I might be saying, oh, there's some resource out there. I don't remember this, but let's continue on. And then while we're continuing, the chat room points out the resource and I didn't have to try and find it. They found it for us or one of them just knew that information. So having a bigger audience means you're tapping into a bigger collective of information, knowledge, and experience out there that can help you present better 
for your content. And this can also mean that the accountability might be a little uncomfortable to you because it means more people who could potentially disagree or could potentially prove you wrong. So that's why your podcast content has to be very high quality. You need to present it very well and make sure that you are presenting it accurately and be open to change and open to constructive criticism when it's provided. That's number four. Be informed and accountable for presenting thorough and accurate information. Number five, with a bigger audience, you can earn more income from your podcast. You don't have to have a big audience in order to make money, even lots of money from your podcast. But it is very true that a small audience is harder to monetize than a big audience in certain ways. Something I've noticed is a lot of people out there who are saying you don't have to have a big audience to make lots of money from your podcast are generally people who already have a big audience for their podcast. And I know everybody started out small at some point. But the Audacity to Podcast, for example, gets between two and 3,000 downloads per episode. Yes, I'm being honest. I just told you my stats. <laughs> but with an audience of two to 3,000 downloads per episode... I'm making a living, not directly from sponsorships or affiliates or anything like that, but through the different business aspects in my podcast is one of them. And if I didn't have my podcast, I could not be in business today. I'm not making a huge living. I'm certainly not making as much as many other podcasters in this space, but it's a comfortable living and we still live frugally and we try to be wise with our money. But the bigger the audience gets, the more potential there is to earn money. But consider this, with a small audience, let's say you have an audience of 100 people and you sell a $5,000 product. Maybe it's a course, maybe it's a training series, maybe it's a consulting appointment or anything like that, a speaking gig, anything like that. With just 100 people, all it takes for you to make $5,000 from that audience of 100 people is for one of them to buy that product or service. That's a 1% conversion rate. Try to get $5,000 from an audience of 100 people through a podcast sponsorship or even donations. You can't do that. But with a much bigger audience, that may be more possible. Now again, simple math, a bigger audience means that 1% may convert into a much larger number of people because 1% of 1,000 then is 10 people. So that means you could make $50,000 from 10 people buying your $5,000 product or service. So it is still goes back to simple math that a bigger audience allows you to make more money. But more than just these direct sales and self-promotional things like this, a bigger audience can also mean the potential to get sponsored, which you may not even qualify for if you have a small audience. Consider that many sponsors out there who look at either a flat rate or even a CPM, which is where they pay you a certain amount per thousand downloads for their sponsored episodes. Even sponsors like that may not even look at your podcast and think about sponsoring it unless you have a certain audience and can promise a certain number of impressions per episode. This isn't your back catalog where you can say, yeah, I get 10,000 downloads per month, but if each episode is only getting 1,000 downloads, then they they want the 
accurate number, not that inflated number, but they want the accurate number that if they sponsor you, how many impressions will they get for their sponsorship? So if you only have, I'm saying only, but if you have a thousand downloads per episode for your podcast, many podcast sponsors won't even consider you because you aren't worth their time that small of an audience isn't worth their time. Not just the expense, because the expense is based on the number of impressions, but the amount of time it takes to track this, to follow up with it, to set it up, all of these things. And they may see that a thousand people, conversion rate, let's assume 2% conversion rate, we get 20 people signed up for this. Is it really worth all of this work to sponsor this podcast if we're only going to get 20 people to sign up? And they may decide... No, it's not worth it. But that's where if you have more listeners, a bigger audience, like maybe 5,000 downloads per episode, which is a good threshold for a CPM campaign, then these sponsors will consider you. Also consider the perspective of your earnings from this. If you get, let's say, $10 CPM, so you get $10 per thousand downloads per episode, if you only have 100 downloads per episode, then you're getting one dollar per sponsored episode and is it really worth one dollar to take a 30 to 60 second break from your content to put in an an advertiser or sponsor of some sort inside of your content if you're only getting one dollar per episode there are so many easier ways to get more than a dollar per episode like even just the audible affiliate program can pay you 15 dollars per person who signs up to sign to try the free trial of audible and if you want to learn more about that then go to the audacity to podcast.com slash a-u-d-i-b-l-e to learn how you can sign up for the audible affiliate program and earn 15 dollars per free trial you refer to them but that that can be easy to do and a dollar per episode for podcast sponsorship is probably not worth it to you. I suggest it's not worth it to you. But if you have an audience of 5,000 downloads per episode, then that $10 per episode or $10 per thousand downloads for 5,000 downloads comes out to be $50 per episode. And if you release four episodes in a month, that's about $200 per episode. So is that worth it to you? for that interruption in each of your episodes. That may be worth it. But if you have a much larger audience, let's say that you have 20,000 unique downloads per episode qualified for your sponsor, and you're still getting that same rate, $10 per thousand downloads. So at 20,000 downloads, you'd be paid $200 per episode. You're doing the exact same amount of work as you did when you had 10 listeners per podcast episode as you are now that you have 20,000 listeners. So now for the same amount of work, you're getting paid more because you have a larger audience. So with the larger audience, this is benefit number five, you can earn more income from your podcast, but you really have to decide, is it worth it to you? And is it worth it to your audience to include this podcast sponsor? And we'll talk more about the the ethics of monetizing your podcast in a moment. That's part two of this podcast. Don't worry, I'm not splitting the episode. It's just the second half of this. So when you're looking at your podcast audience and wanting to grow it, let me give you a couple tips on this. The big thing really to take away is to focus on names, not numbers. Yes, 
having a large podcast audience opens up a lot of potential for stuff you can do with your podcast. I just shared with you five things you could do with a bigger audience. And those things may really entice you and really excite you thinking, oh boy, I can't wait until I have a bigger audience. But don't forget the audience that you currently have. You are not a failure if you have a small audience. Some people will have certain expectations when they get into podcasting that they're going to... I see basically three basic expectations. One is that they'll make a lot of money, that they'll get a lot of audience members listening or watching, and that the process will be a lot easier than they thought it would. And there are different offshooting benefits and expectations to each of these. But if you're expecting thousands of people to listen to your audience, to your content or view your videos, and you only get 20, you may feel like a failure, but you're not. Even with 20 people listening to your content or watching your videos, these are 20 people who are faithfully returning to hear your opinions to get your perspective, 20 people who value and appreciate and respect what you have to share with them. Imagine if you could get that audience into a room every single week or however frequently it is that you publish your content, and you could speak to that captive audience for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, and they come back week after week after week. And you start to get to know them If you start engaging with them and opening yourself up to receive feedback and start trying to remember the names of these people, not just the numbers, it's so much easier when you have an actual physical audience that you can look out there and you can make eye contact with people. You can see people smiling afterwards. You can shake hands. You can exchange business cards. You can learn each other's names. You can form relationships like that. Don't forget to do that with your podcast. And you can do that very easily with a small audience. And you can even get to know them on many different levels. Maybe start having phone conversations with them or you get to listen to each other's content or you get to respect what certain people do and what other kind of stuff that they offer. And it gets hard to do that when you have a very large audience. If you have 20,000 people consuming your podcast for each episode, try to learn each of their names and that's not going to happen. You can learn the names of many people and continue working with people and getting to know them, building relationships, and that's great to do. Never give up doing that. But it's so much easier to do that with a small audience than it is with a big audience. So the main thing is no matter what size your audience is, Focus on names. Focus on relationships, not just the numbers. Don't think of, how can I get a hundred more people to listen to my podcast? Think about, how can I form a relationship that will be mutually beneficial with one other person? Now you see the value of it, or I hope you see the value of a relationship is so much more mutually beneficial. How can you benefit from a relationship with someone else and how can they benefit with a relationship from uh, with you so focus on names not numbers so in conclusion for this question do you need a big audience to be successful 
Well, you don't have to have a big audience just to podcast. You can podcast and have no audience whatsoever. But successful is where it really comes down to how you approach your podcast. And you really need to figure out what is success to you? How do you define it? Is it that you want a thousand people and that's your success measurement and your failure unless you reach that or you are building success until you get to that point? Is that success to you? Or is success making money from your podcast? Is it uh, getting to meet certain people in the podcasting space? Is it just getting your voice out there and being heard and having at least someone who, as Dave Jackson says, isn't named mom listening to your content and respecting your opinions? What is your definition of success? I think that at the core for most of us, we see success as influence and recognition at some level. And a bigger audience, yes, kind of automatically means more influence and recognition because you can influence a thousand people or you can influence a hundred people. And a thousand people saying, oh, you're so wonderful, thank you so much, sounds a lot better than just five people saying, oh, you're wonderful, thank you so much. Sure, you can, you can get that with a bigger audience, But at the same time, if you're primarily looking for greater influence and more recognition, you can still build that even with a small audience. Look at making better content or being more engaged with your community or working harder on making stronger connections all without growing your audience. You can still be successful in these other ways. So it really depends on how you define success for your podcast. And I'd love to hear from you. Please comment on the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 172. How is it that you define success for your podcast? And even deeper than that, think about this. How would your perspective change for your success for your podcast if you took out growing your audience from the equation? So you may be thinking, I want to make my podcast into my full-time job. I want it to replace my income. Okay, great. That's reasonable goal. Sure. But take out the idea of, I need to grow my audience to do this. Take that out of the equation. And now, how would that change your plans? What would you do differently if you had to try to meet that goal with your current audience and had no way of growing your audience? What could you do then to meet that goal? It's a great exercise. And I even think of it myself of what can I do then without growing my audience? Well, create more valuable products, create more content, uh, market myself better, uh, provide new services or options that people need. Those kinds of things help stretch your mind so that then when your audience does grow, you already have a better foundation that's not just relying on numbers, but relying on high-quality, engaging content. So you don't have to have a big audience to be successful unless that's part of your definition of podcasting success. But I'd love for, to hear from you. Please comment on the show notes, theaudacitypodcast.com slash 172. And thank you, Ben Avery, for suggesting this topic of audience size. Now, second half, because this is really connected. Should you really try to monetize your podcast? 
monetization and audience size are closely connected together. You heard me talk about this several times already in this episode of how much more potential you have to profit from your podcast if you have a bigger audience. But the deeper question to that is, should you be monetizing your podcast? A lot of people have this as their other goal and other hope for their podcast is not just getting a big audience, but also making money from their podcast. You don't have to monetize your podcast to be a successful podcaster. Plenty of people do this as just a hobby and they don't care about their audience size. They don't care about making money. That is perfectly all right. That's why you've got to have the audacity to podcast, to do this stuff, to invest your time and energy and not expect anything in return. That's perfectly all right. But when you start considering trying to make money from your podcast, whether that is you just want to cover some of your personal expenses for running a podcast, you want your podcast to support your other hobby, or you want to make your podcast create an income for you that can replace your full-time job, big task, by the way, and there are many different ways to approach that, but whatever your perspective is, a question that you may need to ask yourself is, Is it wrong to profit from your content? And I think, in short, no, it's not. But let's work through this so you understand this a little bit better because there are a lot of different perspectives on this and it can be a little bit controversial even. When you publish blog posts, podcast episodes, whether they be video or audio or anything like that, any kind of content you're creating is taking your knowledge your skills, your experience, your time, your energy, and putting that into a final product of a sort, even if it's something that is free, like in a podcast or a blog post. This is art. And don't you think that artists deserve to make money from their labor? I know many artists seem to make too much money. Some artists seem to make not enough money. And there's certainly the phrase starving artist out there because it seems many times artists can't make money. But don't you think that they deserve to make money for what they're working really hard at doing? And this is deeply rooted in your particular worldview on economics And it could be even different if you're not in the United States of America. But I really like what the Bible says several times throughout Scripture is it says basically, and this is paraphrasing, that the worker is worthy of his wages. And this is in like Luke, Matthew, Corinthians, Timothy, several places in the Bible, it says the same basic thing, that the worker is worthy of his wages. And even in one case, by the way, it refers to people who preach the word are worthy of getting paid for their labor. So I try to fully embrace this perspective that people who work on something and are skilled and bring those talents and time and energy are worthy of their wages. I do still try to be frugal and I do recommend that you try to be frugal as well. But your podcast takes time, it takes energy, and in many cases it takes money to run your podcast. There are ways that you can podcast for almost free, but it's very likely that you have at least invested in a microphone and maybe some kind of hosting for your podcast. So you have those expenses. Your audience may not like it when you start trying to monetize your podcast in whatever capacity you do. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But 
they'll often get over that after some time. And even uh, when they don't get over it, then it, this sounds a little mean, but it really shows that they don't respect your time and talents enough to let you earn something from your time and talents, at least covering your expenses. But you have to be careful with which particular monetization method you use because one may be right for your podcast while another is completely wrong from your, for your podcast. But at its core, there's really nothing wrong with your trying to profit from your podcast. You're putting out content for free and people don't have to pay if they don't want to pay. And they can skip the ads. They can block the ads on the website. There are many different things they can do if they want to. But as long as your ad is tastefully inserted on your website or in your podcast in a way that fits and is mutually beneficial to the sponsor, to you as the podcaster, and to your audience, so it's a win-win-win situation, then there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. So don't ever let anyone tell you that you shouldn't make money from your podcast. That's fully up to you. There's nothing wrong with it. There are certain other ethics, but that's something separate. So first consider what monetization model is right for your show. And I'll have these five ways in the show notes. And I've also done a podcast specifically about the five ways to monetize your podcast in a previous episode. And you can get that link in the show notes for this episode, number 172. But five ways to make money from your podcast are basically these. Number one, premium stuff, like selling some kind of exclusive access to your community, to Uh, something else. It could be bonus content or it could be an ad-free version of your content. Maybe people who donate to your podcast don't see ads on your site or they get a version of your podcast that doesn't include the sponsorships and the ads and such. Number two, donations. Letting your audience support the content they love by sending you money or buying stuff for you. You could do this through Patreon, through PayPal, through credit cards, through all kinds of ways, Amazon, gift lists, anything like that. Number three, ads and affiliates. This is where you have a non-personal relationship with some company out there. They don't know who you are, essentially, but you're using and promoting their products or services through your podcast or your website, like promoting a Bluehost affiliate link or mentioning products in your podcast or in your show notes or your blog posts and linking to those with amazon.com affiliate links. Those are ads and affiliates where they don't have a relationship with you. They don't know who you are essentially, but you're promoting something and benefiting when people take action or visit it or just see it sometimes. Number four, sponsorships. This is a direct personal relationship between you and the company or maybe a network that's the go-between between you and that company. And that company then is looking to you to promote their products and their services, and they expect a particular kind of return on their investment. Number five is self-promotion, selling your own products and services. It could be a book, it could be a training course, it could be consulting, it could be a digital product, a physical product, anything like that. So these five different ways, premium stuff, donations, ads and affiliates, sponsorships, and self-promotion are how you can monetize your podcast. And most likely any monetization method falls into one of these five. And in this list, in case you're wondering, the biggest profits will come from either premium stuff 
or self-promotion. A lot of people out there are making tons of money from membership sites and services. And other people are making tons of money with self-promotion, some product or service that they offer. Those two are virtually limitless on how much money you could earn from those. And they also do not necessarily depend on how big your audience is. But any of these five methods could be either a good fit or a bad fit for your content and for your audience. For example, I really don't think it would make sense for me to promote donations here on the Audacity podcast because you know that I provide this content for free, yes, and I try to make very engaging, very helpful, and even sometimes entertaining content for you to help you launch or improve your own podcast, but you know that I also offer consulting services. I have digital products now. I have two at this point digital products. You can purchase the ebook, How to Get More iTunes Reviews for Your Podcast. And there's also my subscribe and follow plugin for WordPress. And I'm soon launching my podcast reviews that will be an ongoing service and membership, basically, where you get your podcast reviews. So you know that I provide these products and services like web design, consulting, setting up your podcast for you. And I promote those sometimes. I try not to make my podcast an infomercial for those services. But you know I offer that stuff. So it it really doesn't make sense for me in this podcast to ask you for donations because really I would much rather do something for you and get paid for that, have you hire me to do something, than for you to just give me money as a donation. Although don't ever let it be said that I will turn down money as a gift. If you want to send me thousands of dollars as a gift, I will certainly very gratefully accept it. But I don't ask for donations in the Audacity podcast because it just doesn't fit. I think it would actually tarnish my branding for the Audacity podcast if I were to ask for donations. Like, do you see Microsoft or Apple or any of those big companies asking for donations? No, not at all. It would be ridiculous for them to do it. But what they do is they try to entice you to buy their products. That's how they make their money. That's what they exist to do. But in my other podcast, one of my other ones, Once Upon a Time TV show fan podcast over at oncepodcast.com, there we do ask for donations. And the expenses for that podcast are fully covered because of the donations for the podcast. And it's it's crazy because here people are donating to a free podcast about a free TV show And many people are donating on a consistent basis, either through Patreon or or through our own setup. And I just checked today and a couple people have donated as much as $1,000 over time, not just in one single gift, but more than $1,000 for a free podcast about a free TV show. That just blows me away. Now, that podcast is very expensive to run because of all the demands of the server and the media requirements and all of this other stuff that has to do. But those expenses are being covered by the donations. And we also use affiliate programs and we occasionally get sponsors from that. And someday we'll have something to self-promote as well. But there, donations fit because the people get to feel like they're part of this community. It's so much more of a community-focused podcast than others that we have. So it makes a lot of sense. And the community 
is grateful for the opportunity to donate to the podcast. I have never heard anyone complain about the donations because we thank each person by name who donates at a certain level or above and provide many opportunities and they enjoy it. I mean, for someone, it just blows me away. For someone to have donated over $1,000 to the podcast shows that they want to do this. We didn't ask that that person directly to donate. They chose to do this and continue to do this of their own free will and of their own decision. So go through your podcast goals, your audience, style, your presentation, your content, and figure out what kind of monetization actually works and what kind doesn't work. Because if you use the wrong kind, then it is wrong to try and profit from your podcast in that way. And certainly there are certain deals and affiliates and services that would be completely wrong for you to try to recommend to your podcast audience. So you have to be careful with those and find something that will fit for your content. There are particular sponsors and affiliates out there that I will not ever endorse from any of our podcasts because I don't want our brand tarnished by that brand's reputation. Also consider whether monetizing your podcast could hurt your podcast in some way, because regardless of what model that you choose for making money from your podcast, how you implement it could damage your reputation. For example, let's consider banner ads. Since you should have a website for your podcast, you don't have to, but you should. We talked about that previously. A couple or a few banner ads on your site might not be that bad, but if you have really large banners or they disrupt the flow of content too much or they slow down your site or many other things, then your visitors will get annoyed by this and they'll turn away from the site and turn away from being part of your active community. And it can even hurt you with search engine optimization because if your site loads really slowly, search engines won't prioritize you as much. So that's a way that it could hurt you in some way. But even if whatever method that you are using for monetizing fits perfectly with your content, with your audience, with you, with the sponsor, everything there seems like a perfect fit. Placing that in the wrong spot or handling it poorly can also annoy your podcast audience instead of encouraging them to take action. This is one of the reasons why I insist that all Noodle Mix Network podcasts, one, do not start their show with a sponsor. Like that is to start the first thing that you hear is, this episode is brought to you by blah, 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 which, yes, I've done that before, and I regret that I've done it that way before. I don't do it that way anymore. And also, I require that none of the Noodle Mix Network affiliate podcasts use the Noodle Mix Network branding at the beginning of their show. I want that to be at the end of their show when people, the active, engaged listeners are still sticking around. I don't want to spam the beginning of the shows with all of this stuff. This episode is brought to you by this, 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 and this, and this episode is also a member of such and such network and blah, blah, blah. I want them to jump in with their content. So if They put the advertisements there at the beginning. Sure, it would get the most impressions, but it would annoy so many people. Imagine if your favorite TV show, which in the United States, the average, quote, hour-long, unquote, TV show is actually about 43 minutes of content. 
So that's 17 minutes of commercials. Imagine if your favorite TV show was scheduled to come on at 6 o'clock, but for the first 17 minutes, it's nothing but ads, and then the TV show. That would annoy so many people unless they just learned that, oh, I just tune in at 617 and I skip all of these ads, in which case the advertisers then are being shorthanded because everyone is skipping all of their ads because they're very poorly placed. So you have to remember if you're doing any kind of sponsorship or even affiliates is that the reason companies allow this kind of sponsorship and want you to promote their products is to get more customers. So however you're promoting their product or service needs to be a careful balance of motivating your audience to take action and try the sponsor, but at the same time, not being too intrusive or too um, too preventative of uh, their consuming the rest of the content. If you start out with five minutes of ads, that's too much. It, it prevents me from getting your content. But if you include your ads at different places in the episode, then it's not too much of an interruption. And then I might have more attention on it as well. So monetizing could, in certain circumstances, actually hurt your podcast if you're not executing it well. But execute it well, and it could actually be helpful to your podcast. And think about what kind of sponsors, not just help you and help the sponsor, but what kind of sponsor advertisers or whatever it is that you're promoting whatever way you're monetizing your content, what helps your audience? What do they need? And how can that then be a win-win-win, a win for your audience, a win for you, and a win for that company that's providing that product or service? But also think about what are the legal ramifications of monetizing your podcast? If you make any kind of money from your podcast, then treat it at least a little bit like a business. This doesn't mean that you have to incorporate, that you have to file special fancy taxes, or that you can even start writing off your podcasting equipment as business expenses if you're only making a dollar per month from your Amazon.com affiliate program. It really depends on how you structure yourself and how your podcasts fit into this. For example, all of my podcasts and all of the podcasts as members of Noodle Mix Network are really officially parts of D. Joseph Design LLC, and each one serves different purposes within this overall business structure. Because I do approach podcasting completely as a business, even my clean comedy podcast is a part of my business. It's a marketing arm of D. Joseph Design LLC. This allows me then to be able to deduct my podcasting expenses because I can prove that I'm taking this seriously. I'm treating it as a business, not just as a hobby. But if your podcast is just a hobby and you're making money from it in some way, you may not be completely a business, but you should still approach it somewhat like it's a business. And certainly consult a tax professional on this for your specific situation, but the general rule in the United States of America is that all income must be reported and is subject to income tax. So even if you're making only $10 a month in affiliate sales or a dollar a month in affiliate sales from your hobby podcast, report that income. Just don't try to deduct that new $300 microphone for your hobby because you can't deduct expenses for your hobby. My podcasting is not my hobby. It's my business. 
but I still have a lot of fun in it. That hobby and business doesn't mean whether you have fun. It means your approach to it. And if you make money from your podcast, any money, this can also have bigger implications on what kind of penalties you may have if you get into any kind of legal trouble. Like a hobbyist podcaster who isn't trying to make money from their podcast and isn't receiving money at all may have smaller penalties for violating copyright laws or infringing on someone's patent or someone's trademark or for certain other legal issues that can be very easy to get into with blogging and podcasting. So you might have smaller penalties because of that, but you're still guilty. Don't think that because you don't make money from your podcast means you're not guilty of breaking the law if you violate these copyrights and trademarks and other stuff. But if you are treating your podcast as a business and you have ads on your site and you have sponsorships and you have affiliate links, and even if you're not making very much, it shows that you are trying to profit from this. And that could mean much bigger penalties from uh, for you if you get into some kind of legal trouble. Now, I'm not a lawyer and I don't play one on the podcast, but do consult a lawyer for your specific situation in order to get the best legal advice. My recommendation, if you're looking for a lawyer, lawyer, and remember, people are worth their wages. And Gordon Firemark is the person I know. He's really the guy to go to for this new media law space. And you can check him out at firemark.com, or I've got a link to him in the show notes for this episode, number 172. So should you monetize your podcast? Well, clearly, if you host your podcast as part of your business or you want it to be part of your business or your entire business as a whole, then you should be monetizing it somehow, even if you're just starting out and you have a plan for it to eventually become your business. Start monetizing it now. Start with those ads and affiliate links now while it's smaller That way, when it's bigger and you can start monetizing it, it's not this shock to everyone. But you may decide to go about it a different way and not have a sponsor until you have a much much bigger audience or not promote any product or service or affiliate until you have something bigger. But I still recommend, even if it's just an affiliate link, start using affiliate links early on. I remember when I was so excited when one of our podcasts earned its first $12 from Amazon dot com affiliate links and that took three or six months to make and that was so exciting now it's more than that i'm not earning a living from amazon but now it's consistently a couple or a few hundred dollars per month that's really exciting for me but if your podcast is a hobby then you never have to monetize your podcast it's perfectly okay to continue podcasting and not make any money from it That's totally up to you, but it's also perfectly okay for you to do a hobby podcast and try to make some money from it, even if it's just recovering your expenses, your media hosting, your microphone, whatever it is, bandwidth for your podcast, anything like that. Don't let anyone tell you that you shouldn't profit from your podcast. It's perfectly okay to do that and perfectly acceptable and legal and all of that stuff. But of course, consult a lawyer, consult a tax person for more information. I'd love your feedback 
on the information I've shared with you here on challenging these podcasting presuppositions or assumptions. And as you can tell, the general answer for most of these things that I'm raising are, no, you don't have to do these things in order to have a podcast. But as you can see, some of these do affect whether you want to have a successful podcast. But really, how do you define success? for your podcast. I'd love to hear from you. Please comment on the show notes over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 172. I've got three announcements for you. I did a brief experiment, and if you're still listening to the podcast and you're subscribed to my email list, then you probably were either grateful or annoyed by a recent little test that I did on my email list of sending automatic RSS-built campaigns to my email list where every Tuesday morning it would send you an email that has a link to the latest episode and the text and some promotion stuff to encourage you to go listen to the latest episode. That's stopping effective immediately. I did this as a little test and I learned some things from this and I'll share those lessons in a future episode but I have decided this is not the way to do it for me and for the expectations that I set up for my email list. And in the process, it also revealed to me that, whoa, I made a promise a long time ago about my email list, and I never fulfilled that promise. Ouch, bad, bad me. So I'm going to fulfill that promise, even to the people who have since unsubscribed from the email list. I'm still going to make that free resource for them and send it to them that I promised so long ago. Now you know that there won't be any more RSS-built or RSS-powered campaigns. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It really depends on what you set up. So on my email list, if you sign up for it at theaudacitypodcast.com, you still get the free podcasting uh, pre-flight checklist over there, but you'll get bonus content over there, not just announcing the latest episode, but I will give you special deals, exclusive things, share some inside information with you when it's short and when it makes sense to share it in that way. So no more RSS spam, essentially, from that email list. You're welcome to sign back up if you unsubscribed, or if you unsubscribe, that's fine. But now you know, I'll be talking about this later in the future and bringing some lessons from this that you can apply in your own way of having an email list for your content. Second announcement is I've got an article in the upcoming May issue of Pottertainment Magazine that's all about the importance and techniques for great podcast show notes. I was amazed how long this article ended up being. I even offered to cut it down, but uh, Gary Leland, who runs the podcast magazine over there, Pottertainment, said, no, it's perfect. This looks great. So it's a really long, in-depth article about ways that you can have better show notes and some of the reasons why you should have better show notes for your podcast. Third announcement, by the way, for that, for Pottertainment Magazine, I have an affiliate link that where you can subscribe to the magazine on iOS devices over in the show notes for this episode number 172. Third and final announcement, my podcast reviews hasn't launched yet, but over 100 people have signed up so far to receive the announcement when it launches, and they're getting some previews into what the service will be about. And they've especially signed up to get the ebook, Seven Ways to Get More iTunes Reviews for Your Podcast. So some cool stuff going on. It's not launching yet, but it should be very soon. And I also shared some more insights and even a pricing preview 
of my podcast review in Jason Hartman's podcast, Speaking of Wealth Show. The episode hasn't published yet, but if you go to the show notes for this episode, number 172, I'll update that later on with the link to his specific episode where I appeared. And we talked quite a bit about my podcast reviews, and he's excited. I'm excited about this. I know a lot of you are excited about this. You can sign up for the newsletter list to be uh, informed when it's available over at mypodcastreviews.com, where soon you'll be able to receive the report of all of your international reviews for all of your podcasts automatically through email and RSS. Hmm. And there will be many great options and different pricing levels over there for it. That'll be at mypodcastreviews.com. I'd love to hear from you. What kind of assumptions would you like me to cover in a future episode of the Audacity to Podcast while I'm doing this mini-series? Or what else do you need help with in podcasting? Please email feedback at theaudacitytopodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. You can also go to the website theaudacitytopodcast.com and send a voice message through the site on your computer or iOS device. If you need help podcasting, cover art, anything like that, go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash consulting, and I would love to help you out with some one-on-one consulting or even just doing some stuff for you. Like if you have a broken RSS feed, you need website design, cover art, uh, need help figuring out how to fix something in your podcast or just improve your podcast in any way, I'd love to help you out. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go podcast to share your passions and find success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the audacity to podcast.com and on Twitter as the ramen noodle. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. There are a bunch of TV shows having their finale episodes or have already had their finale episodes for this season, like Resurrection and Once Upon a Time and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and we have podcasts about those. Check them out at noodle.mx and so much more. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.